Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Clausen, and today I chat with Pamela Gold. The Peaceful Power Podcast is here to help you live a movement-based lifestyle, utilizing fitness, yoga, and Ayurvedic techniques. Each week, I will bring you a motivational guest or a solo show geared to help you take action to live that peaceful, powerful life. So I'm super excited about today's interview with Pamela. So she has a program called Peace Power Parenting. So um, I had to try really hard not to say Peaceful Power Podcast. Uh, So as soon as I saw that come through, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to chat with her. And we are so similar. Like she grew up on a farm. Um, She's a personal trainer, trainer, yoga teacher. Um, Obviously, we have similar views on peaceful power and bringing in um, you know, meditation and presence to your life. So I really, really enjoyed our conversation and, um, also chatting about parenting and just kind of the ins and outs and ups and downs and how to navigate some of those, um, tricky situations that happen and, you know, discipline and self-esteem and, you know, raising kids that are going to, um, you know, do great things in the future. So I really enjoyed our conversation. So without further ado, here is today's episode. Welcome to the Peaceful Power Podcast. Today, I have Pamela Gold on with me. And um, I'm going to kind of throw it over to you, Pamela, and let you kind of introduce yourself to everyone and tell us a little bit about your journey and um, maybe even how you discovered yoga, you know, whatever you want to share with us. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andrea. I'm so happy to be here today. So I'm a mom of two. I have a 12-year-old and a nine-year-old. And my journey that got me this to this point is kind of bounced around a lot, but I grew up on a farm and then I went to Yale and then I was in like the business world of New York city. I was the point person on an IPO at the age of 24. And then I was the right hand to a fashion designer. So I kind of had these, these big high powered, you know, career uh, jobs going on. And then I became a mom and I was lucky enough to be able to transition and, and stay home with my kids those first few years. And that's when I got really into fitness and nutrition um, it kind of connected the dots between a lot of what I studied at Yale, which was microbiology and biochemistry, somehow I hadn't applied it to my own body. And so after I had my kids and I suddenly you know, needed to pay more attention to what I was eating to, to feel healthy, I studied nutrition, got really into nutrition, really into fitness. And that's how I found yoga because I started practicing yoga and recognized that there was something really powerful to it and wanted to learn more about it. So I went to teacher training and learned to teach yoga, which is really when I first finally started to learn what yoga really was because I don't know about you, but a lot of people um, like me, you take some yoga classes and you don't really understand the full practice, that it's not just the physical practice, that there's so much more to it. So that kind of was funny because I went to yoga school and they're like, oh, how long have you been practicing? You know, tell us your background. Like, well, I've been practicing yoga for three years. And then they like described what yoga was like more fully, you know, the, the limbs. And I was like, Oh wait, I really haven't been practicing yoga, but I don't know. Like you, like it was like, Oh my gosh, that's what yoga is. That's what I've been obsessed with my whole life. You know, this figuring out the art of living your best life. Right. And so it was super exciting. And, and yeah, so I started practicing yoga and teaching yoga and teaching fitness. And then over the last bunch of years, I really had this awakening that yoga totally facilitated around what my real creativity is and how I can really be of service and and all my passion. So that's it in a nutshell. 
<laughs> I love it. That I have the same yoga story, like <laughs> yoga teacher training. I was like, oh, wow, there is so much more to this mm-hmm. than just like when we think of just the asana, mm-hmm. you know, the postures and poses when most people think about yoga. So I, the same kind of awakening and I'm like, oh, wow, I really, really love this. Yeah. This is even better than I thought. <laughs> yes. And where did you grow up on a farm? I also grew up on a farm. Oh my gosh. Well, that's so funny. We're so, we're so kindred. Wow. So I grew up on a farm upstate, not that far upstate, about 90 miles north of New York city, um, around New Paltz, New York, okay. it's Ulster County, New York. My, my grandfather, uh, had a 500 acre apple farm. And so I grew up on the farm. Neither of my parents were farmers. So I kind of had the farm life with also kind of the gentrified, more typical, you know, running around, not farm life. So I kind of had the, the best of both worlds, I guess. Oh, that is so cool. How about you? I'm so I grew up in like Southern Minnesota, super small town, like 500 people. And mm-hmm. my dad had corn, beans, and pigs. So cool. yeah. And now we have cows because my brother, uh, my two, well, all three of my brothers are still back in that area. And so he has cows now. Um, awesome. So they still, they still live at my parents' house, which he would yeah. probably be like super embarrassed. If I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's awesome. I mean, family, family first. So I, I think that's yes. awesome. Uh, so, you know, coming back to the yoga, I want to know, like, how did that kind of help inspire you with kind of your life's work? Cause I know you had said that, yeah. um, I think on your website and I, I can really relate to that as well. As yeah. far as like, we really are kindred spirits. Yeah. Oh, I love yeah it. Well, it's funny because I, I took a very kind of science path, you know, out of school. Yeah. I did and, too. And so, <laughs> so funny. And so I guess similarly, like there became a a point in my life where I kind of self-identified as not being creative, as being more kind of systems oriented and problem solving and, and somehow, and and Ken Robinson or Robinson, I never say his name right. I forget what the exact last name is, but he wrote a book out of our minds. And it was his book that helped me realize that I had such a limited view of creativity mm-hmm. and that I had kind of blocked myself from my own creativity. I thought that I was going to be a CEO, take someone else's idea and really kind of implement it, execute it, run with it, build a big business. Like I thought I was just meant to be a CEO, not like just meant to be, a CEO, but literally just meant to be a CEO, like an operator, an executor, as opposed to a creator, which of course is ridiculous because if you are a CEO, even if it's someone else's idea, you're constantly being creative and how you're coming up with the systems and coming up with all the ways to execute. I mean, it's, it's limitless how we are creative no matter what we're doing, but somehow in our society, there's this box that we put creativity in. And I did that to myself. Um, or I had that done to me by the way, you know, school systems are and everything. And so I kind of had thought that I wasn't creative and I always was looking outside of myself for ideas Mm -hmm. and I was blocked from my own inspiration and my own intuition and really appreciating that and connecting with that. And so when I started practicing yoga and I started meditating deeper, (laughs) it really unlocked my own connection to my own creativity, my own inspiration, my own intuition from the inside out or my experience of it from the inside out. And um, that's when it was like, oh, wow, this is pretty cool because it, it really unlocked something that was pretty intense, pretty exciting. 
That is so awesome. And that was all just kind of stemming from yoga. Otherwise you kind of were on that CEO path. It sounds Mm -hmm. like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which was just so externally wired. Right. And that's so typical the way our society is, the way our school systems are, you know, we're wired to pay attention to all this external stuff and find all the answers outside of ourselves, find all our worth outside of ourselves. (laughs) And it's pretty cool when you wake up to that, not being really the source of our greatest powers, right? Yeah. And how many years ago was that? So it was about two and a half years ago that I transitioned to a much deeper meditation practice and kind of had that spiritual awakening. Oh, that's so cool. And that's, I mean, really, that's not that long ago. No. So people are thinking like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like that. I mean, things happen, happen fast. Yeah. Things happen fast. Once you uh, unlock that stuff, it's oh. like one of the analogies I use, you know, if you look at a picture of a dam or you think about, you know, a, a dam and how there's so much potential power mm. on the other side of that dam and how it's blocked. And maybe you let a little bit of it out and you harness that and you let a little bit of it out. But we all know, I mean, it's, it's quite catastrophic if a dam really fails. So we don't yeah. want it to, to happen kind of in a, in a failing way. But if we really unlock the true source of all of our power, it's pretty, pretty uh, game-changing, pretty yeah. intense. Oh, I love that analogy. That's a really good one. Thanks. So like on this journey, you've already written a book and yeah. called the five pillars to unlock unlimited power and happiness. Yeah. So when did that come about in this journey? <laughs> like that just, yeah. that happened really fast. So I had literally wrote that book in two weeks. What happened oh was, my so my husband manages a pop star. There's a lot of really funny <laughs> stories around my, my strange life. But so my husband manages a pop star and we were supposed to be on vacation And instead, well, we were on vacation technically, but what happened was there was kind of this crisis with with my husband and and his pop star. And so it was like suddenly this big crisis. We didn't end up leaving the hotel room like one whole day, not even leaving the hotel room. The second day, me and the kids at least went down to the pool. You know, it was one of those, like my husband was just on the phone, putting out the fires. This is all these like crises, catastrophes. And um, I was kind of just being the witness to how they were kind of getting thrown around by this unexpected, kind of not ideal, you know, way that the things kind of ended up kind of transpiring. It wasn't, wasn't how everyone had wanted it to be and wanted it to go. And from my kind of perspective, this deeper spiritual awareness, I could just kind of witness it and, and see how this all needed to happen. And of course, anything that happens, my, the way that I handle it, I ask myself, okay, is this happening? Yes. Yes, it is. So, so anything that is happening, the first thing I do is, is find gratitude for it because if it's happening, I have deep faith that it's all part of this big um, you know, blossoming of, of whatever our life is meant to be. And we may not be able to see it yet, but it, it is all part of this master master to plan to lead us to our destiny. So anything that's happening, be grateful for it, even if it's painful and messy and, and you're in the thick of it. And, and then, you know, just, just remember to have faith and, and you can kind of stay in this kind of centered, calm, clear place to navigate the storm as, as graciously as possible, get through it because there's always a rainbow right at the end of the storm. There's always the clouds pass and the sun is still shining. Mm-hmm. And so I watched them deal with it as, as graciously as they could. And they're not really on the spiritual path the way that I am. So it's like, you know, a lot of some yelling, some, some, maybe some tears, you know, there's some stuff going on. And, and so I really got inspired over that kind of two day period, um, around how I could articulate what I had discovered about inner strength 
and really draw the analogy to both physical strength and mental strength because our society understands that practice makes progress in the physical sense that if you go to the gym you practice the big five you practice flexibility balance you know practice makes progress and same thing intellectually and mentally if you practice if you study if you do these mindset drills and all the things that we can do mentally you will get stronger practice makes progress and inner strength is the same thing and so find more strength was was my way of of saying, hey guys, <laughs> look over here. There's five really simple practices that if you do nothing else, if you just practice these five things all day, whenever you can, you will make progress. And so that book just kind of poof, came in two weeks and then I self-published it. And I was running a company at the time and I ended up leaving that, that position and then just kind of figuring out from a business perspective how I was going to be you know, really kind of launching this offering, how I could be of service in this way and not really being clear how that was going to unfold, but just <laughs> in faith and, and doing the work and, and allowing, allowing it to flow. So that's, that's the story there. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's, that's amazing. Um, congratulations. Like that's oh, amazing. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, and if people are like, where can I find this book at? Is it on Amazon? Yeah. Yeah. It's on Amazon. I self-published. So it's available on Amazon. And if you go to my website, goldevolution.com, you can get the first chapter for free. I try to, there's a lot of free stuff on there and you can read the first chapter. And the first chapter is on gratitude. I start there. It's one of the five practices. Uh, and I start with gratitude because in, in a lot of ways it's the simplest and easiest. Not that gratitude is always easy. Um, and hopefully all of us have had moments where we've experienced gratitude and connect with the power of that. And because we've ever experienced it, we can reconnect with it and start there as a simple practice. And that's a, a powerful, simple practice as I know, you know, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, if someone's kind of like new to self-development and they're kind of like, where do I start? You know, yeah, well, it's a perfect, yeah. Perfect segue, right? <laughs> you know, like, where do I go? Yeah. I mean, well, gratitude is a fabulous starting point because like I just said, everyone has experienced gratitude at some point in their life. And, and when we start to practice gratitude, there are so many simple ways, whether it's a gratitude journal, whether it's, I like to wear, um, sometimes big clunky pieces of jewelry to remind me to practice gratitude. And the first stage of practicing gratitude is like I said, you remember the feeling of what you were grateful for. So a lot of people say, Oh, I, I think about what I'm grateful for and it doesn't work. You know, I, I still feel lousy. And I'm like, ah, yes, it's th the key is the feeling. So yes, you can think about what you're grateful for, whether it's family or whether it's the sunshine, there's always something even like, is the sun shining? You know, or did you wake up and you're alive today? Okay. So that's something you can think of and then connect with how it feels. Mm -hmm. And so that simple starting place of how does it feel to be grateful? Like find the things, the least one objective thing that you could say, okay, yes, I am grateful for that. How does that feel? Whether it's your kids giving you a hug, whether it's the sunlight on your face, the sand beneath your toes, whatever, connect with that feeling and you start there. And then then it can evolve because the next kind of graduation um, in terms of the practice of gratitude is then connecting with, with gratitude for everything. So even the things that happen, things that we experience in our life that are painful, undesirable, our brain is like, oh, no, 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 not that, anything but that. You know, there's so many things that we experience as negative because there's some pain associated with it. And our brain instantly will judge that as bad. Mm -hmm. And the next level of practice, I'm sure you know, is then we start to really appreciate 
all of life, even the stuff that is not so pleasant, um, from a place of gratitude, which then, you know, liberates us to hopefully get to that the highest level of gratitude, which is to be grateful for for nothing at all. Just to plant the seed of of where we're going, that you can get to this beautiful, powerful place of embodying gratitude, and you don't need a reason; you just are. You can be that. I love it. And how do you kind of go about teaching gratitude to kids? Well, because I have two little ones, it's something we spend a lot of time on. And, you know, in the moment, we just kind of play a lot of games. So as we're driving, as we're walking around, because I connect with gratitude most of the time, it, it makes it easier for me as a parent just to be saying it, explaining it, and giving them an opportunity to connect with it. And as they practice it, it's wiring their pathways and their brain to experience more of it. So I really make it a day-to-day, moment-to-moment practice with my kids, like whether it's a gratitude game, to challenge them, to find things that they're grateful for, describe how it feels in their body when something really lousy happens. First, you know, validate and connect with them to hold space for the discomfort of whatever the, the negative, you know, emotional experiences for them. Cause you don't want to invalidate them by going too quickly to gratitude, but there is, and there is this opportunity after you validate like, wow, this is really tricky. Oh, this is really painful that this thing we were so excited about got canceled. Huh? I wonder what the silver lining is going to be. Can we think, can we even imagine how this could turn out to be the best thing that could have happened and we can actually feel grateful and like to make it that kind of challenge, make it a game. So then they're kind of, you know, wiring themselves to seek out that perspective of gratitude, even in the face of the challenges. It's fun and kids like it because it feels good, right? If it legitimately feels good to practice that. And so then the kids, you know, it it lights them up. So it's, it's really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like a game for them. So then it's like, Oh yeah, let's solve the problem. Absolutely. (laughs) And, um, you know, along with that, like one thing that I actually have been doing, um, I think it's a rose in the thorn or something. Mm. So I forgot how to actually do it, but, um, the exact definition or how to do it. So instead right. I, at the dinner table uh, and my son's only two, but my oh. husband and I have been doing this. Cause I'm like, okay, this is going to be something good to practice, you know, with Jalen once he's a little bit older. And so yeah. we go through like, all right, what was your rose for the day? And basically my husband and I are doing like, what's your highlight mm-hmm. and then a thorn, like, okay, mm-hmm. what was something that was sticky or maybe didn't go like you'd yeah, want. And painful. then we usually finish yeah. with like a gratitude. Like, what are you grateful for today? Mm. And, um, and again, because I don't know exactly how that, how it was. Oh, I think, played out I think you, did, you did great. One of the things I love about my kids' school is that they really practice growth mindset in the Ooh. classroom. And so, how do they do that? Well, they, at the end of their day, they had a glow moment. Like what was the glowing thing that you celebrate? And then what was your grow moment? Like what were the challenges that led you to growth? That. And so they're wiring the kids in the classroom to appreciate the challenges and love the challenges because they're the front side of growth. And I love that because that's what we model at home. And, you know, the kids spend a lot of time in school. So it's great that the kids' school is on board with that. It's huge. Oh, I love it. Um, Yeah. And that's just little ways like that. So if people are like, how can I start working with this? Maybe their only time with their kids, um, you know, is in the car or at the dinner table. Like those are just little, you know, quick things to do with them. Absolutely. And it's, and again, the kids love it. The more that you can bring the spirit of playfulness and positivity and opportunity 
to, you know, the ebb and flow, right? The ups and downs and to teach kids that, you know, half of what you experience in life is going to be kind of above the curve and it's going to be great. It's going to feel great. Your brain is going to be like, this is great. This is good. This is right. And then half the stuff that you're going to experience, like literally half is going to be below that kind of copacetic line where it's going to feel uncomfortable. It's going to be painful. It's going to be scary. So in those moments, how do you navigate that with positivity? Where are you able to kind of look and how are you able to keep that kind of upswing to get back above the curve again, right? Because it's that kind of ebb and flow, that vibration, that is life. Yes. There's a wholeness. Oh, and one of the reasons that we're talking about this, so in case people are like, wow, so she actually <laughs> has a program called Peace Power Parenting Program. <laughs> and I'm like trying not to say Peace Power Podcast. I know. But- I was so laughing so hard when I, when I got connected with you. I'm like, we are such kindred spirits. <laughs> So was, I'm like, that is awesome. Like, so clearly we have similar, like, you know, just kind of thoughts about it, but I want to know how you chose peace and power, um, together to kind of resonate for a parenting program. Well, it's a really, it's kind of a funny story because I decided to create a parenting program in response to more of a, a, a business reality, right? Like I have all this spiritual knowledge and I, I know I can be of service and I want to get it out there and, and connect with people and have it land. And, and I knew that my book and, and kind of my general stuff wasn't really, you know, if you make something for everyone, you're going to kind of land and connect with no one. That's kind of the marketing ethos, right? And so I knew that I needed to create a program or create a product that could actually connect with people. And I looked around, I'm like, well, where can I be of service just to the people that I I know, and I'm a mom, so I have this circle of parents around me and said, you know what, I can create a parenting program and share all of these kind of spiritual principles and practices so we can bring this to our families. And at first I had no idea what I was going to call it. And I really was struggling and I originally was calling it gold method parenting and the G-O-L-D, first of all, gold is my last name, but the G stood for get centered and O was observe without judgment and L was love where they are and D was discipline to empower. So that was the, the name. But then I was creating the marketing materials and I literally wasn't using it once. And I was like, that's not the right name. And I was like, "Uh oh, I'm supposed to be marketing this like next week. And so I meditated and I was like, I don't know what the, that's not the right name. I don't know what the right name is. That's not ideal. And then I meditated the next morning when I was meditating, it just came to me that I wanted to call this peace power parenting because that really is me. That's, and it's obviously you too. It's we we both realize, I'm sorry for the siren. I'm peaceful, even though New York city is not. Um, but basically I realized that I, we both realized that the power of peace is profound. Obviously there's so many P's in all of this, but, I know. but it's, I think many people maybe haven't experienced inner peace and the power of inner peace and, and maybe think that peace is weak that peace kind of you're, you're not able to really assert yourself. You're not really able to proactively and powerfully really impact change. And we, you and I know that that is not the case, that when we are at a state of inner peace, we have connection to our biggest power to actually make the biggest positive impact in our environment. And so from a parenting perspective, it, it was just the perfect name because that is, it is what I live and breathe. And it also, in terms of a marketing, it's like my people aren't going to 
connect with me and like me like that that kind of like that you know weeds people out if i call it peace power parenting you know what i stand for you know i'm all about this kind of inner peace about power because i'm also about achieving greatness i mean i live in new york city and you know i live this kind of really high level achievement oriented life so so this the name it really it really speaks to what i'm all about so it's just it, as soon as it came to me when i was meditating i was like oh that's the name and then i started telling everyone i'm like i have this new parenting program it's peace power parenting like I was like, oh, I can like yell it from the rooftops where then, you know, it's the right name. Yes. Yes. Oh. Mm-hmm. So speaking with like the inner peace and parenting, um, mm-hmm. like I find this to be one of my friends actually, I just, um, you know, shared, she's like, oh, patience does not come naturally to me. And like, <laughs> I just want to flip a gasket on my kids at times. Of course. Me, I'm like, totally. I'm actually, patience is definitely one of my strong suits. Like I'm, mm. I'm a pretty patient person. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm like, that is so interesting. So I've never really thought about that. Cause again, once you have your kind of, you're not, not I want to say set in your ways, but like my barometer doesn't go mm-hmm. intense, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. like, I don't, that doesn't register to me. So I'm like, that's a great question. So like, how do people who are like, I'm going to flip a gasket. Yeah. They bring yeah. more peace into their parenting. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I definitely was a very type A reactive, dramatic, intense person. And, and I still am. Um, and now I have my inner peace practice. So I can actually really connect the dots on this because this is, this was me. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the stories that I tell one of the epiphanies that I had after I started meditating, um, I had my son who was probably about two in the bath. I had my daughter who was about four and a half in kind of the living room area. My daughter was screaming to me that she was hungry and I was like boiling water to make pasta on the stove. My two-year-old is in the tub screaming for me. I'm trying to get everything ready. You know, the water's boiling. He's screaming. I knocked over soda, which back then I still drank Diet Coke, which I don't anymore. It was just kind of funny because I'm like, I still drank soda then. So it wasn't that long ago, right? My kids were were like probably like eight years ago now. And I started to freak the F out. Like I literally started to go like scream because that's kind of what I used to do. And I kid you not, I heard a voice. It wasn't my voice. Obviously this sounds a little concerning, but I know I'm not crazy. So I heard (laughs) a voice, a man's voice, and it just said, breathe. And I did. I took a breath in. And I let it out, which is the key. You can't just breathe in and then hold your breath because that doesn't work. So you have to breathe in and out. And then everything was okay. And I was about to freak out. And so the key, the game-changing key, is if we remember to breathe. And it sounds insane that it could be that. And it also sounds insane that I heard a voice that told me to do this. Like, I get it. It all sounds really crazy. And literally, I took that breath in and breath out. I cleaned up the, I mean, the soda went like inside the coffee maker, inside the sugar bowl, like inside the drawer with the silverware. I mean, it was really like, I should show, I don't know if I can curse, but it was a mess. And so I, but I took the breath in, I took the breath out. I cleaned it up in about 15 seconds. I went and got my son. I got the pasta made. Everything was fine. And in those moments when we're about to lose our stuff, if we remember to breathe, that's all we have to do is remember to breathe and it's all okay. Like it's all okay. And then one other kind of, you know, kind of uh, punctuation to that, a mantra that I now use regularly that I actually got off of a podcast. It was a Sincerely X TED Talk. I don't know if you know those, but really great podcast. A mom shared the mantra, in the fullness of time, all will be well. 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, if you remember to breathe, and if at some point you remember in the fullness of time, all will be well, it's like, like a pressure gasket gets released. And you can then just kind of look around and solve the problem. Like it's never that big of a deal. If we can stay clear, calm, and centered, nothing that we're facing is that bad. And I've had some pretty bad moments. I had my daughter fall off of a spinny thing at the playground. They call it the wheel of death now. And it's actually gone now because she spun off of it from the top, hit the ground so fast, couldn't breathe, look of terror, blood coming out of her mouth, like literally immediately call 911, go to her waiting on hold. Like I've had some pretty big, I've had a child that choked and I had to do um, Heimlich and then CPR. Like I've had some pretty big, you know, like worst case scenarios that you don't want to face moments. So I'm not saying that like life can't be scary and there can't be consequences that you really, really don't want to face. And as a parent, you know, facing the reality that we can't keep our kids safe, like that's the, that's the painful pill as a a parent, right? Like that's the take a deep breath, big fear. If we can, live with that. Like understand that we can't keep our kids safe and I'm going to be in the moment, trust myself, trust life, trust them, navigate it the best I can. In the fullness of time, I will be well. That's, that's the dance. You know, that's the dance. If it makes any sense. Oh yeah. No, that's, I mean, I actually just got done, uh, as I told you earlier, you know, before teaching a senior class and I literally had them doing like a sounding breath. And I told him, I, I'm like, I taught this to my son already. And he, you know, like he's two and he's already doing his sounding breath and that mm-hmm. helps calm him down. Like if he's yeah. getting kind of like worked up, you know, mm-hmm. I'm just like, ah, and then he does it back to me and you know, we work yeah, on calming it down. Works. Yeah. yeah, it works. I mean, you know, I mean, this, this yoga stuff, it works. Yes. Cycle of the breath, it works. Yes. And then the more people knew those tools, those practices, which is why I created Peace Power Parenting, because there's a whole toolbox that I have at my disposal, just like you have a whole toolbox at your disposal. And if more people had access to those tools, it would be a very different world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause there's, cause it's not like life gets easier. It's not like it's ever not messy. It's not like I'm perfect. I mess up all the time. My kids do really messed up stuff cause they're kids and that's not going to change. It's not like it's going to get quote unquote easy. And if you have the tools to navigate it, it feels easy. Oh yeah. And in those crisis moments, cause my son at 18 months cut his head open on a corner mm-hmm. at a friend's house. Mm-hmm. Like, and her, she was married to a, or is still married to the, <laughs> a doctor yeah. and um, he happened to be home. And so like, we just heard this thud and he lifts his head up and there's just blood everywhere. Cause I was mm-hmm. head too. Yep. So, you know, for whatever reason, my friend was like, I don't know how you were so calm. Like she was freaking out mm-hmm. and she has a couple of kids herself. And so mm-hmm. she was like, you were just like, there, like you mm-hmm. did not freak out. Mm-hmm. Like he came over to you. You just kind of helped cover the wound. And mm-hmm. like her husband looked at it and was like, yep, we're going to have to go somewhere. Cause that's going to require either stitches or, mm-hmm. um, you know, glue. Mm-hmm. And she was like, how did you do that? She's like, I would have been like bawling. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but I knew like you have tools internally. I was like, if I freak out, he's going to start for yes. And you that's like, such an important lesson. <laughs> Kids do as well as their parents. Yeah. So if the parents can stay calm, 
it will help the kids. Like whatever, whatever you got to deal with. Okay. You got to go get stitches. Okay. You got to call an ambulance, whatever you need to deal with. If the parent can stay calm, not only are they going to be able to make better decisions to help navigate it as well as possible, the kid's going to stay calm. And how much better is it if the kid can stay calm while they're in pain, while they're scared? Because of course it's scary. Of course they're in pain. So if they can look to you and see that mom is calm, okay, mom's, mom's calm. All right. At least even though my experience of this is not so great, I trust mom. And if mom says it's going to be okay, I'm going to believe at least, or have a tether to believing that it's going to be okay. And what an important role you were able to play in that moment for your child. Yes. So bravo, mama. Bravo. (laughs) That was like my second head wound. I used to be a teacher for a few years. So I had a Mm -hmm. child, actually one of the sixth graders had the same thing happen. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, this is just like deja vu all over Mm -hmm. again for me. And and it's probably not your last. (laughs) Gosh, no. Like, oh. I've had quite a few of those and oh. it's like, yep, what a pleasure. Lucky me. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Thank you universe for this opportunity to practice my skills. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> no, but that is so, so funny that you say that just about the parent being calm. Cause I find mm-hmm. that with my husband, he is definitely more short temper mm-hmm. than I am. And so like my son, like even yesterday, he was kind of freak out mode mm-hmm. and like my husband was like trying to deal with them in a different way than I was. And my son was trying to get to me because I just was going to hold him and just calm right. him down. But my yes. husband's like, you're sit down. You're fine. I'm like, no, he's not. No, 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 no. That's, you yeah, know, you, if you can, if you're not being validating and that's why again, peace, power, parenting, I'm, I'm so passionate about the program because it teaches you all these practical behavioral and social emotional tools like validation, like validating your child. So they feel seen and heard. So then you can redirect them behaviorally like, okay, yes, I know you're scared and we need to sit down calmly until we, until the ambulance comes or whatever, whatever <laughs> crisis situation is. But knowing validation, like if your husband knew and or in the moment can practice more efficiently <laughs> validation, yeah. how helpful that would be for your son. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And those, those little practices. And I, you know, I told him, I'm like, he's too, he doesn't have a lot of tools. Like that's I what I kept know. telling him. I'm like, yeah. his tool right now is me. Like he yeah. goes to mom cause that's his tool. So I was like, yeah. we just got to work on that. I'm like, he's still little, we, you know, he'll learn, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, you're going to have to learn with him just to, yeah. you know, okay, what else do we got? <laughs> you know, I tease my husband. I'm like, sweetie, are you going to go through peace power parenting please soon? Cause it would be awesome. Awesome for you. Cause you're not on pay. You're not using the tools, my friend. And it's like surrender. It's all good. And, and yeah. uh (laughs) How do you deal with that then with there's, you know, two different parenting styles? Like how do you, there's a lot of surrender. You know, I, I, um, I trust my intuition around when I need to kind of stand up for my kids and, and kind of help them maintain the integrity of their space. If my husband maybe is triggered and, and not handling things in a way that is, I think, helpful. So that's a delicate dance. You know, it's a delicate dance where I need my husband to know that I respect him and I trust him. And my kids need to know that I respect them and that, that they can trust me. And so sometimes my kids need me to kind of stand up for them and I have to do that. And sometimes I need to let them kind of deal with dad. And so it's a delicate dance and being in touch with my own intuition and kind of being able to feel the energy and be in the full context of the situation is really what I rely on because moment to moment it's, it's a dance. And so sometimes I, you know, protect the kids and support them and help them kind of handle it. And other times I give them the space to learn those skills 
uh, on their own. And that's, that's the art of parenting, right? Like kind of moment to moment, sometimes your kids need the space to practice it themselves. And sometimes they need your support because they're not, you know, really able to. And so that's, that's the dance of parenting, like being there when they need them, but not being too much there that they're not able to practice it and learn and grow. Mm. Yeah, that's great advice because I'm like still new at that, but I'm like, I You're feel in like it. that's kind of the dance that we're starting yeah. to learn ourselves just because, I mean, obviously we've only had two years of practice yeah. of this. And it's constantly changing and that's yeah. like being in the flow of it with them and really connecting with them and feeling them enables you to dance in that way because it's going to cut like my daughter's 12 now. It's a totally different stratosphere Mm -hmm. of, you know, giving her the space, giving her the respect and still being there for her when she needs me and trusting her, empowering her to articulate and assert and do all the things that are going to, you know, lead her to being a better and better uh, decision maker, right? To have better and better judgment. Because ultimately she's on her own. Like I can't, you know, I can't count on being able to be there to help her make decisions. She needs to learn that when she makes a decision, there's consequences to those decisions. And then she can learn, okay, was that really the best decision or not so much? And, you know, you can't micromanage them or they're not going to learn to be good decision makers, and we need to be there for them when they really need us. So again, it's, it's a dance. Mm. And then I want to finish up kind of talking about discipline because mm. I want to know kind of like what <laughs> you do and like, people yes. are like, what are some things that you can do? And maybe at different ages. Cause I know yeah. people who are listening have kids all sorts of ages. Yeah. Well, the cool thing is there's some deep principles, like guiding principles that work no matter what the age. And so one of the things that I think it's important to highlight is that there is this, this kind of myth around discipline, which I have a feeling you're not, um, you know, sucked into and probably your listeners aren't either, but there's a lot of people in our society that think that um, going gentle and kind of easy on your kids will spoil them or fragilize them. And the reality is our kids need us to be gentle with them and go easy on them as they make mistakes because they're not perfect. Obviously they're going to be learning and growing and messing things up. And so from a discipline standpoint, all of the research shows us that positively disciplining them, which discipline technically means like a negative kind of punishment um, response, right? To be like, no, don't do that ever again. You know, go in the other direction next time kind of thing. Whereas if, if as they're kind of going in a direction that isn't of service, we want to guide them in an opposite direction, the most effective way to do that is with positivity. To be gentle, to go easy on them, because they're going to be their own biggest critic. That's how all people are wired and to a different extent, there's different personalities, kids, definitely there's a big spectrum of how, um, like my son, I need to be much harder on him and really make sure that he's paying attention to the mistake he just made in a positive way. My daughter is much more self-critical and I have to be even more gentle on her, like guide her and then, then immediately distract her. Like from the time she was little, if she made a mistake and I was like, Hey, that wasn't cool. Like you can't do that again. If she even sensed any kind of judgment or negativity, she would just burst into tears and I'd lose her for three hours. Mm. Whereas my son, the same thing, I'd be like, hey, dude. And he'd be like, well, how, what? You want me to do that again? And I'd be like, no, no, no. And I'd have to be much more intense with him. Mm-hmm. And so you got to know your kid. But the research shows that positively disciplining them, 
giving them a positive correction, modeling, and really kind of telling them what you want them to do. So one of the deep principles is always tell them what you want them to do. Not, hey, no running. Hey, don't put your finger in the outlet. Hey, don't throw your food. Hey, don't talk to me like that. No, 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 no. Because that's you're giving them the negative. Mm -hmm. So positively saying, hey, we need you to walk around the pool. Hey, we need to make sure we're really careful with our fingers, that we're not putting our fingers anywhere where we could get hurt. Hey, I really need to, you to speak with, speak with a gentle, loving tone because it hurts my heart when, when you speak to me like that. Right? Like guiding them in a positive way. And, and having these high standards that you can, this is say to my son all the time, because my son's my harder one, to be honest, like behaviorally, right? So, so, you know, I'm like, I know you can ask that in a nicer tone, you know, and giving him an opportunity for a do-over. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, you can't talk to me like that, dude. Like, like, like you know, I know you can speak in, when he was littler and he would, you know, go into a baby voice or whatever. Like, I know you can use a big boy tone. I'm going to give you another chance to ask me that again. You know, that you're showing them that you believe in them. You're guiding them how you want them to behave, that you're setting these high standards, like high standards, holding them to the high standards while you have this high level of warmth. And that's the secret sauce, a lot of warmth and high standards. And that's kind of the deep principle all through the different age groups, age levels, right? And giving them a sense of control that like you can choose how you're going to do this. I have these standards that we have to stick to, but how can you come up with a solution to this? How do you think that you can get your shoes on by the time we need to get out of the house? Because we got to, we need our shoes on in about 10 more minutes, my friend. And again, age appropriate, right? You need to know what your kid depending on the age, maybe they can only have like a one minute window, right? Like they can't, can't handle 10 minutes. Too. Yeah. But it, it, the beauty of this, don't tell anybody, this works on our husbands too. <laughs> Everything that I teach in Peace Power Parenting works on our husbands. It's so funny. They don't realize it. But you give the kids a sense of control because kids need to feel empowered and in control. So you give them a choice. Do you want to put your shoes on before you put your coat on? Do you want to put your coat on first? You know, do you want to eat your vegetables? on a different plate? Do you want to eat your vegetables on the same plate? You know, you're setting the standard that no matter what, you got to put your shoes on. No matter what, you got to eat your vegetables, right? And, and you know, you got to figure out your, what works for your family and what, you know, standards you want to set for your family. And then you give them some choice, some control in the parameters of whether they choose A, B, or C, it's all cool. But they feel empowered and then they don't fight. They don't need to pick battles with you. If they feel like you're respecting them and giving them a sense of control, then they're excited. They're, oh, gee, what do I want to do? Ah, and you're empowering them at whatever age. I mean, do this with my 12-year-old. Obviously, I'm not trying to get her to get her shoes on, but maybe it's around homework or screen time or you know, time with friends. You know, I let her choose and let her make mistakes. And then we talk about the consequences, whether she would do it again that way or she would do it differently next time. Just that respect that it works. Mm, this is such good stuff. So Thanks. people are like, where can I find this program? Um, where can yeah. I connect with you at? Well, peacepowerparenting.com will take you right to the program. Goldevolution.com also you'll get a pop-up because there's a free um, four keys to peace power parenting. There's like a free ebook that breaks down the four keys, like the four kind of principles that I'm always asking myself, you know, am I um, calm, clear, and centered before I do anything? Am I really, you know, observing with non-judgment, like non-judgment, deep listening? 
listening? Then am I loving them wherever they are? And then the, the empowering thing, am I really aware of what I want them to learn in this moment? And am I giving them the power to learn it? So that's a free ebook you can get um, at either site. I know I'm probably confusing things by giving you two sites, but goldevolution.com, you'll find it. Peacepowerparenting.com, you'll find it. So it's, it's all good. I will put both of those in the show notes as well. Thanks. Oh, um, I always have one final question that we wrap yes. up with and I like to give the listeners a little weekly challenge. And then when I have guests Love on, it. it's your turn to throw on Adam. So what would you like <laughs> the challenge to be this week? Mm, I love it. Okay. How about this one? So for the next four days, no matter what life presents you with, like no matter what the challenge, no matter what the pain point, unexpected, whatever it is, no matter how negative it feels, the challenge is to say thank you, to say thank you, and then work on actually feeling thank you. Mm. Make sense? Yes. Feel it awesome. in the body. I love yes. it. I love it. <laughs> oh, and a new one. So we haven't had that. So I love it. So cool. Thank you so much, Pamela. It's been such a oh pleasure. Oh my gosh, you are such a gem. It's such a pleasure. Thank you so much. Yes. And everyone go out there and spread your peaceful power. Yay. Thank you so much for listening to the Peaceful Power Podcast. And if you want more information about today's show, head on over to andreaclausen.com, where you can also find my free guide to working out for your body type. And if you haven't already, I would love it if you could rate and review the show over on iTunes and share it with any of your friends that you think would benefit from hearing the peaceful power message. Thanks again, and go out there and spread your peaceful power.